Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 203 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I am your host, Colin Phoenix Defire Ford, head of uh, archives at Lave Station, and joining me in this rather packed orange sidewinder for this episode, we have our director, no we don't, we have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. Hello. We have our Lavian Space Program Director, Commander Kurgle. Hey, good evening. We have our Chief Bar Steward, Grant Psycho Cow Wilcott. Good evening. We have our Head of Health and Safety, Commander Edelweiss, Ben Mosswood. Hold on, I'm still grinding my beans. Uh-huh. And we also have Commander Shokinor, otherwise known as John Lunn, uh, joining us from Spider-Man Games, who will hopefully be pitching in from, from moment to moment. Good evening, and thank you for squeezing me in. Only yes, he rolls a natural six. Yeah, I mean, at this rate, I'm, I'm beginning to come around to Shan's suggestion of last week that we upgrade it to a crate, because that seems to have an awful lot more... Uh, in the ship. So, uh, join us live. We are hanging out in game in open around live station. Uh, although we will be moving to where, where, um, Ben? We're going to head off to the, the Pirate 5 site near Lave 2 at near Castland Station because we can go there and it's one of these shiny new things that we got in the patch. And we can do some bounty hunting and pew pew there and go kill pirates who are a little bit overpowered, but not vastly overpowered. So also that will help towards um, keeping Lave Station in the hands of the, of the Lave Radio Network, I believe. It'll help reduce our bounty levels. Right. Um, so pe people are still murdering like Billy O in our system. And they've, we've, we've escaped lockdown. The brandy is there. <laughs> but we are in, we're now in civil unrest. Ah. So, yes, the brandy's there, but it's it's in limited quantities only, unfortunately. Right. Um, I could get into something if you want just now about that while we're talking about it. If um, if We'll come back to it in a okay. bit, if you don't mind. So, okay, okay. Um, if you can't get to us in-game, there's also the Twitch Chats channel, which you can access through laveradio.com. Uh, slash live, I click on the live link, and of course, we are live on Twitch TV slash live radio. So, we will quickly go around the group. We'll put Grant on the spot. Bathroom update, please. Come on, what have you been up to this week? Right, well, we are obviously deep in our organizational skills for getting ready for our trip in two weeks' time. Um, so we're getting all the bits and pieces together for that, which is shaping up. Hotels booked, the route is planned, locked in, ready to go. Now it's meds and all kinds of stuff, so the bathroom is waiting. However, we do have all the wallpaper in for the rest of the house. And while we are away, my brother and our friend who's a painter decorator are going to redecorate the rest of the house. And then when I return, it will be all hands into that bathroom to get it finished. Plan is to get it done by Christmas. <laughs> Christmas. Yeah. Well, yeah. Christmas which year? Oh God, that's that's putting a bit too much of a tight timeline on it. Um, just we'll leave it no a bit open ended. No, 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 yeah. no guarantee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, uh, Commander Shan, have you been enjoying the sunny weather? I have. Yes. Um, 
haven't really been doing much any games at all. So my visitors to my um, dinosaur park have been quite safe this week. Um, and uh, yeah, just been enjoying the sun. Very jealous of my eldest son, who has um, got himself a job shooting Wimbledon as oh, part of the RAF squadron. And um, he has got himself uh, right next to the Royal Box at Centre Court to steward the, the Royals as they go in. So he can see every Centre Court match from the Royal Box, pretty much. So I'm very jealous. Oh, good luck for him, but no Mr. Murray there this year, unfortunately. Um, going on, yeah, we'll hang move on, on hang to... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Why is Andy not there? Because he's still injured. Is he? Oh, is he yeah. poorly? Yeah, he, well, he's had major back surgery, mate. Okay, I didn't know this. Oh, dear. Not anyway, exactly uh, back we... surgery. I mean, if you want the Andy Murray update, he had hip surgery in January. The operation went really well, and he's played, I think, two tournaments just in the last three weeks. And the first one, um, he clearly... This is completely irrelevant to everyone listening, but he was clearly yes. struggling as he reached towards the end of the match. Um, I think that was... Kirigal, uh, a Greek tennis player who's that amazing. That was Queens, wasn't it? Yeah, Kirgle. Queens. Kirigal. Kirigal, yeah. I guess that's right, Kirigal. Yes, he <laughs> Curious, I think his name is Camera. Curious, I think you okay. pronounce it. But yeah, basically you can see that he is not up for five-set tennis yet, so he's t- decided against all the pressure from the press and from all his fans that it makes more sense for him just to sit back relax, recover a bit more and get his fitness up ready to take on for the US Open. Excellent. Well, uh, moving back to spaceships, Commander Kirkle, how have you been this week? Yeah, I've been pretty good. Um, I have mostly been still drawing bits of the Fuel Rats logo on the Galaxy map and then dropping huge quantities of exploration data on live. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much kept me busy in game, um, and we're quite busy at work as well. So I haven't as much time to spend doing fun things like going out in the sun as I'd like. Sometimes, yes. Um, John, hello, Lord. Thank you very much. How's your last week been? All quite quiet. Um, so <laughs> we so we launched uh, Battle Cards on Kickstarter last Thursday evening, Friday morning. And uh, yeah, so the the lead up towards that and then the subsequent dealing with all the comments and questions and things has pretty much kept me busy morning, noon and night. Right. So we'll we'll touch on a lot more of that later in the show. And personally, um, as as everybody knows, uh, 3.1 has dropped. And so I have been taking a spin in one of the new ships and also dealing with Thargoids. In the and I have to pronounce this right, Deciet. Deciet. <laughs> Deciet system. Um, yes, otherwise people, otherwise Felicity Farsi will people not. People will shout at you. Oh, people should shout at me anyway. Um, uh, you've got to be thanks. careful of the Twitch chat. <laughs> special thanks goes to Commander Baked Potato, who ganked me outside one of the blasted uh, derelict ships. Well done, mate. Ha ha ha. Ah, moving on. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's been my my entire week in game, is just basically shooting down um, 
Thargoid Scouts and thoroughly enjoying it, even though I'm losing money over hand over fist. So, shall we move on to the development news? And of course, obviously, the big development news is last Thursday, um, Frontier had a massive long stream while 3.1 or Chapter 2 was released and put onto the servers. Um, the patch notes were actually quite small. I mean, what did everybody think of that? They thought, was, did it go into enough detail? Small but beautifully formed. I thought they were about right, actually, because you can't tell everyone everything in the patch notes. Uh, you know, a, because it will spoil a surprise, and B, otherwise it would be really, really long. And Frontier have always said that the middle two releases this year are going to be small ones. So mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting a huge list of changes, to be honest. Mm -hmm. What did surprise me about the patch notes is usually we get a we get pages on pages of bug fixes. Yes. And whilst I wasn't expecting lots of features, I was expecting more documented bug fixes, at least. Yes, because there's a couple of undocumented features which are quite good that have been hidden and that people have discovered in the meantime. But we'll, we'll touch on those later. I mean, obviously, we've had now two launch trailers for Chapter 2. Um, the first one was obviously um, someone getting into a crate and uh, everybody getting excited for no reason about space legs. Uh, what did everyone think about the second one? It just seemed very, very cut and uh, highly energetic. Compared yeah, I... to the first one, it was a bit meh, I thought. Fair enough. Yeah, it was kind of a bit... So what? I mean, what they seem to be doing with these uh, Commander Chronicles is like picking an individual commander, doing a trailer, and then going on to the next one. I'd, I'd have liked to have seen a consistency of commanders all the way through. Mm. So mm. at least we have that link to the narrative that we've often talked about. Because at yeah. the moment, it's like a, an advert, really. And then, well, you know, isn't that commander who went off and stopped shooting a uh, Thargoid... Like after he sort of tickled it, isn't he dead now? Yeah, but what Which about the Scottish? Know. What about the Scottish lady? We don't. Well, she know. was in we the same ship as well. They're, I think they're all toast. You think they're all toast already? I, I think they're toast already. I mean, you know, what kind of pillock stops shooting a ship before it's actually dead? Well, she's not. She's not called me in ages. So yeah, I think that. <laughs> I've not had a chat with her oh, for dear. a long time. You're, you're not on the. You're not on the on the speed dial anymore. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. Maybe she's waiting for you to finish your bathroom. Yeah, but it's like the it's like the classic um, trope, isn't it? Where sorry, it's like the classic trope, isn't it? Where they never shoot the zombie in the head or the monster. They don't like completely mash the monster to bits. They just like wait until it falls down, turn around, and go, "Yeah, we won." And then of course it doesn't <laughs> get them. So you know, it's, yeah. Uh, right. Let me apologise to Twitch chat. I apologise for saying that word. It apparently is completely true. I did say it. So, what, what did you say, Colin? <laughs> I am not repeating it because it is still too rude. <laughs> okay. Um, so, back to the, uh, <laughs> the, the pre-launch live stream. I mean, obviously, I think they did a very good job at keeping people entertained with a five, six-hour live stream while the servers were being updated. 
Uh, were there any high points for, for anybody? We'll start with uh, well, anybody who wants to jump in. My high point was getting my work to compile. Because I was working, not <laughs> watching live streams, unfortunately. Yeah, the same thing, really. I caught David Braben's interview. Because everyone, everyone was going, oh, you got to listen to David Braben. Um, so I caught that one on um, uh, yeah. the, the repeat. Um, I don't know. It, nine hours seemed a long time for it to be down. They're a small patch. I, I actually did catch Dav's bit just at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dav was explaining that, yes, okay, they're doing patching, but they're also upgrading servers, changing servers, testing everything, testing data, more testing, get the patch out, test it again, check the servers. So, but do you think they're sneaking stuff in? They have done that before. Of course they're sneaking stuff in. Yeah. You know, um, you know, this this is a prime opportunity. Um, when those servers are down, that is your big update, your your upgrade path times. So that's when you could, if you've if you've tested your hardware properly and you've tested your your virtual machines properly, that's the time to uh, to slot in and put in the the behind the scenes upgrades. That uh, you know know what's caused it but it, it wouldn't surprise me if they had put something in i mean the instance i remember was do you remember how almost the entire game spent weeks looking for barnacles that's right and then all of a sudden on a thursday morning they someone finds one mm. yeah okay well i mean they can put these things in server side can't they as long as as long as the model has been created in the client, they can decide. Right, okay, we'll now drop one of these bases at this particular point, and that's it. As long as the client's got all the models in it. Anyway, um, so I, I've caught up with the whole live stream uh, personally, and it did seem to be quite a laugh. Um, Ed and uh, will seem to be on form for most of it uh there's a little bit of time stretching at the end well but because it was the actual patch was half an hour late and f until we could finally download it but as everybody was probably at work at the time i don't think many people worried and i was surprised to say it downloaded and worked for me first time it's not like the first time in Ever. Years that that's happened. Ever. Uh, that's the first time it downloaded and worked first time on my PC account. It, it downloaded and worked first time on the Steam account. It downloaded and worked first time on the Xbox. That was um, uh, surprising for me. I, w I was up and running by 8 o'clock yeah, that night, so I was quite happy. How did you so, feel about that? Because I, I remember launching my first ever Sidewinder, trying to get it out of the slot, listening to the dulcet tones of Colin, bitching and moaning about how his entire computer had crashed because Frontier Developments had built this game that he loved, but had um, blown his computer <laughs> up. And that was years uh, ago. I mean, years. So, oh, so Colin, so yes. Colin, do you think but your um, uh, Colin curse has upgraded? Years uh, it shifted I mean, from Elite Dangerous to Windows. Oh. So Colin, okay. yes, um, definitely Windows 10. I think. Um, uh, although I did go through all the procedures that you're supposed to do before doing an upgrade, which is wipe the Internet Explorer cache, um, clear out, uh, back up your bindings, and all that kind of stuff. And because I reckon, because I did all that, it actually worked first time, probably. 
you should do what psychocasting and um, go on holiday and leave someone else to do it. <laughs> that sounds like a cunning plan. Um, okay, um, moving a little bit further on, we also have this news about Frontier. We want to become a third-party publisher. Um, so who can talk about that one? It's... I, I personally think it's a bit of a clickbaity title. Um, mm. Although there is some interesting information in there that they quite often seem to sneak these things into their um, business type interviews. That, yes, okay, fine, Frontier theoretically may want to become a do publishing for, for the right for third party. So it's not just like we'll accept anyone and publish your shit. Mm. It's. If your shit fits with us, then we may publish it. Do you think it could be like a testing the waters to see what the reaction is before they actually commit to it? Quite, quite possible. Quite, quite possible. Um, yeah. See, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like a frontier culture sort of thing to do. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. They've, they've clearly got a business plan in mind because one thing that did stick out was apparently they have two. More game titles in the works. That's right. We, yep. yep. We don't know what they are or what genre they are. He just said, "Oh, we've got two more games in the works." Mm -hmm. So, quite yeah, but we, you could reconnect that to the, the, his previous statement. Which says, "Yes, uh, seeing the world from a Chinese huge rework of of the gameplay." And what do you think they've been doing for the past year? It's going to be much harder to move that over, I suspect, than the other two titles, because the other two are less contentious potentially mm -hmm. well uh, get, getting past yeah there is a whole load of um, censorship issues that would have to be dealt with in China um, I'm not quite so sure and welcome back we apologize for any uh, any uh, lack of content mostly due because we're not sure what the heck happened there we think the internet had a burp and, and uh, kind of regurgitated a whole lot of Star Citizen news. So, moving back on... So that was um, kind of empty then, Colin, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not saying a word about Star Citizen. Uh, Squadron 42 delayed again. Uh, but moving on, there is a nice little hidden CQC fix which has appeared uh, that nobody knew about. Has anybody else found this one out? Uh, no. No, right. Well, before um, 3.1 was released, um, CQC, if you were going for a deathmatch, had a minimum of four players, and also for team deathmatch, had a minimum of six. That seems to have been changed. Deathmatches games now start with a minimum of two players, and team matches start with a minimum of four. People in the CQC Discord have reported there's been a lot more uptake in games since this has happened. So... Um, the chances are, if you go to CQC to, from now on, you will be able to get a game a lot easier. Does the points you get per match, has that been adjusted accordingly? Um, I'm not quite so sure. The, the only thing that I've got so far is the fact that you can now join on a, a single one-on-one -on -one match, which is always going to be interesting. Oh. Yeah, definitely better, I think, that just getting any game is better than waiting around for an hour and getting no game, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean that's that's what everybody has, uh, has has said, and of course, once a game's in progress, as long as a game has less than the maximum number of players, people can just join in. So, um, if someone if there's a game and in progress and you join, those groups will roll into the next queue, and yeah, yeah. So, right. so it, it, that is a that is a, a much needed improvement to anybody who likes a, a bit of. Uh, it's still not a lobby, though, is it? I know it's not a lobby grant. I mean, I must admit that's the one you and I are both in agreement on this. It needs a lobby. The CQC Discord does a good job. It just, you know, I don't. I, yeah. Is it still it's called a, CQC, by the way, or has it changed its name? I thought it was still CQC. They dropped Arena. Right. They, they did call it Arena, and it was a separate part of the game. I can't remember whether they gave it away for free or whether it cost they a ridiculous like a five. They charged five, five or something. Yeah, I, 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 that's something I don't understand why Frontier did. It's like give it away for free. Give you know, the the first hits free kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, and of course one of the things that has also been announced uh, to do with three point one is uh, there's a chapter two treasure hunt competition which is now in progress um has anybody else seen this one mm, no okay um basically what they want to see is your best set of photos highlighting some of the amazing stuff in chapter two so that means they'd like a, a, a four screenshots and only four or one of an alliance challenger one of a crate one of any kind of thargoid but a bonus will be given if it's one of the new scouts or an installation. Uh, you'll find most of these details uh, on the um, on the forums, uh, and they look to be giving away customized, uh, basically customized anaconda uh, ship kits and skins, and also arch the archer Colvas and some extra decals. So, <laughs> I don't so is there a contest like the best one or is it if you just submit one they pull it out of a hat and if you get lucky you win one no i I think they're going they're definitely going to judge these so you submit all four uh and uh they'll they'll run it through their judging panel which will probably be ed or will uh and uh or or page we mustn't forget page uh, and they'll they'll turn up and say yes we'll have uh We'll have that one there. Oh, there's another quick bit of news which I forgot to mention. We have a new community manager uh, who has joined this week. Um, uh, we have, yes. Yes. Uh, let's see whether I can remember. Paul Crother, um has joined the Frontier community team. He seems to have a, a lot of experience in uh, titles such as RuneScape and Fable Legends, which means he worked for Lionsgate. That'd be interesting to see how, uh, what it was like to work for uh, Mr. Molyneux. Yes, according to Ed on his stream on Monday, at the moment you won't be seeing much of Paul on the the streams because he's kind of getting his feet under the table and doing a mm. lot of the background stuff. So uh, he probably will guest late at some point, but. Uh, I think Ed and Will are the front men, I think. Okay, well, so I think what we'll do is that um, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll come back to sort of the in-game events and uh, 
and such. I think the main thing we should do is quickly go into the main discussion, just turning things on their head, because everything else, including the, uh, the newsletter, is all to do with this bit. Now, obviously, last week, 3.1 was released. I'd just like to go around the group and find out what their initial, uh, initial impressions were. So we'll start with Shan. I thought for a small release, it was actually pretty good. I mean, everything is about the crate, isn't it, realistically? Oh, yes. Um, I, I have been like going through and looking at the new planetary stuff that's been found, and that's all been quite interesting. Um, but I think the main focus, well, there's been two things that's been focused on the release. Uh, one is the crate, and the second is space legs, um, which we can kind of like go, oh, no, not again. But yeah, it's all, been all about the crate, really. Challenger, I have tried. Um, it's okay, but it's still the chieftain still feels like last year's graphics card i don't know it's i'm not really into the the smaller ships to be honest i've been doing some um some skimmer stuff in the crate just to kind of see the nefariousness and mm -hmm. uh, I've, been, I've been enjoying it uh engineered it out fully and yeah it's, it's a good little ship for doing um bit, bits and bobs around the the bubble um yeah what what kate Bought one of the crate paint jobs, and uh, we called it last week, didn't we? We said what paint jobs would be available, and they were. Yes, it was yes. A <laughs> the standard sort of vibrant military, and what's the other one? Tactical, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> Basically, whenever we get a new ship, you always get those three paint jobs. They all seem to come out uh, the week after. No ship kit yet. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, and no Leifcon skin, I'm afraid to say. Mm. Not a big surprise, really. Not a big surprise at all. Uh, so, Shan, we've, uh, we've, we've had a quick chat with you. First impressions, then, um, Kurgle. Um, yeah, neither of the ships really are to my tastes, but I can see that they might both be good assets for a lot of people. I know those people are going crazy for the crate right now. You're never going to prime me from my Python until I'm dead. <laughs> Get your hands off it. it. All the other stuff in the patch, all, all the little things actually, are the things that have most helped me. Thank you, Frontier. Thank you. Like, it took me two clicks to sell all my exploration data today. Um, I no longer have to do 50 clicks per page to... Um, to push the BGS, it's that's the kind of little changes that have made my life like infinitely better just instantly. Um, Going back to the outage time, mm -hmm. do you think they could do that because they've upgraded the servers? I don't know. Um, I mean, presumably, some of the software improvements we get in the game are due to hardware upgrades and stuff that give them more power than they had back four or five years ago when they ran the game out. So I, maybe maybe they've just got more compute power to like drill down through the... the I have to admit, I, I doubt that doing 50... It's going to be easier for Frontier to do one transaction of 50 records than 50 separate transactions, I would imagine. You know, just I'm talking, talking about sort of database -y type things. Updating 50 records is always easier than... Insert, insert, insert. Mm -hmm. But saying um, that, there's always a pause, isn't there? It does, it does a page, and then there's a pause while you click. So you're, yes. you're giving it a chance to catch up. 
Yeah, I mean, it's still got to go off and check those 50, make sure you've got to do it. And yes, you're doing it on 50 records rather than one. But I suspect the overall processing and data transfer and all that malarkey time is less doing one batch of 50 rather than 50 batches of one. I mean, the reason I like little fixes like that is because it gives me hope that one day I'll get a sell-all button on the commodities market. And, you know, all the other little quality of life improvements we want that will just instantly make the really tedious bits of the game not be as tedious anymore. And for no purpose, do you know what I mean? There is no benefit from clicking right 50 times to sell 50 tons of cargo, is there? It's The only benefit is to selling more mice as you break your one. But, but yeah, nothing really surprising in it, but like I'm pretty pleased with it overall. None of my computers seem to have become terribly awful at running the game. If anything, in fact, I'd say it completely not benchmarked or anything, but it feels a little bit more stable than it has been recently um, on both my machines. Uh, sounds good. Ben, what were your first impressions? Um, basically getting the crate, and I love the crate. I love the look of the crate's cockpit, mm-hmm. but I bought a new bloody ship. Have you seen this this ship? This ship is a death hazard. You know, I supposedly bought it fresh off of Falcon Lacey's production lines. I've got cables hanging out here. I'm missing panels. <laughs> um, the, there's wiring that's don't, literally held up with gaffer tape. Don't even They're get him ships, started you know? in the toilet or the fish tank. Well, oh, it's supposed to be a Millennium Falcon analogue, which is why there's bits and pieces everywhere. Um, uh, well, have, have you seen it? In- yeah. Have you seen it in VR though? The the cables are trip hazards, and oh, they really there's a are. Coffee, and there, there, there's a coffee cup on the um. There's a crate. There's an old style crate. Yeah, crate sections. I uh, did find it massively amusing that in the same patch they repaired the overhead cables in the Anaconda that have bugged the Yamics for so many years. They added a ship with cables coming out of every orifice. But they haven't fixed them though in the Anaconda. They're still loose. They're just been Is it just less They've so yeah. been cable tidied, man. Give them a chance. Uh, I, I trust the health of sa- uh, health and safety, the head of health and safety, to call to spot all these smart little oversights in such a fantastic ship. To be it's honest, it's not a little oversight. I mean, if Grant goes to my cockpit, my view just now, you know, okay, I'm showing the little crate, which is awesome. But then, Christ, it's a bl- look at it. It's got- a bit palatial, isn't it? It's got a really nice detailed like scanner layout on the uh, the wall opposite the back of like your pilot's oh, yes. chair. And uh, if you get really close, Malik got his VR headset and went right up to the coffee maker and the last drink listed on it is like mystery juice. Oh, I see. Yes, you've got a coffee. And there's that two biscuits next to the coffee maker as well. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's awesome. That they've got How two do biscuits. they stay down? So when you're pulling these, these high G... How, 
How does the how do the biscuits stay off? Mag biscuits. How yeah, you, obviously, how obviously aluminium well? wrappers with some kind of ferrous metal embedded in them, so it will stick to your magnetizer. We need to get Ed to do his uh, biscuit review, though, on the <laughs> mag biscuits. Oh, yeah. I might have to mock some up and post them to him. Metal chalk chip. That's what it'll be. <laughs> uh, actually, talk, sorry, going on a tangent about biscuits, Ed made a comment about vegan biscuits on Twitter the other day. And I, I, I feel terrible, but I had to reply that they were just missing one thing, and that one thing's bacon. <laughs> oh, and, and we wonder why Ed doesn't talk to anymore. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Ed, Ed's not a veggie. Yes, he, he is. Is he? Yeah. When did he? When did he become veggie? Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, I didn't know. He was, After okay. watching you eat bacon. <laughs> Quite possibly. So you've been sending him pork sausages and pepperoni. <laughs> Ben's been sharing his bacon with him at like LakeCon and all sorts. Being serious, actually, after making that comment, I did go and see a recipe for dark chocolate and bacon cookies, and I was tempted to send him some. Although now that I know that he's turned veggie, I maybe won't. <laughs> okay, um, Grant, have you had a chance to muck about in, in uh, 3.1? <laughs> yeah, I've been playing it a lot. However, I'm nowhere near a station, so I'm never going to get a chance to see any blooming uh, new content. And unless they significantly change the, the um, experiences of Deep Space Explorers, I'm not <laughs> sure I would notice a damn bit of difference, to be honest. Why don't you return back to the bubble, unlock the Guardian Friendship Drive boost, it's- and then go back? Taking me freaking blooming eons to get out here with my engineer type nine. Uh, I had the mishap <laughs> before LaveCon, which uh, saw my hull down to four percent, and unfortunately, my life support systems didn't have enough field maintenance units to repair that. So it broke with one little integration. I was, I think, I was fifty jumps away from Colonia to go and get repaired. I was twenty thousand jumps away, twenty thousand light years out from Colonia when I had the problem turned around, got back to within 50 jumps, and then my life support failed at a neutron star, and that was Cow. it. Cow, with all the crates hanging around Lave right now, you can't tell me there isn't a fireboat with your name on it. <laughs> but, you know, I think yeah, I'm a bit worried now about coming back in. <laughs> <laughs> John, have you had a chance, despite all your, your card shenanigans? have a look at 3.1 no i haven't i haven't um i i haven't even downloaded it which is awful i know um and i hang my head in shame but i have to say uh following on from kurgle saying you've got to pry my python from my cold dead hands i actually look at the crate as a really decent um replacement for the python for me because i went from the asp to the python and when i got into the python i kept just looking down between my you know, feet, expecting to see the beauty of the station as I fly into my, or try and get to my docking bay. And uh, I, I, it wasn't there. And I really, really missed it. So hope for, I'm hoping that um, I'll, I'll not be disappointed with the crate. Plus, of course, it's got a fighter bay. So, hey. Yeah. Well, um, my initial impressions is that, uh, <laughs> yep, I, I spent 125 million up buying and upgrading and a grading a crate and then engineering it and 
basically, it's my new go-to ship. I must admit, I am loving the crate. Um, I especially loving it taking out Thargoid scales, um, especially with the fighter. And um, I, I, I think it's got a little bit of a paper-thin hull. But apart from that, um, I'll never be flying a python again. Uh, because you're right, John. Uh, it has got that visibility in the front view, which matches the ASP, but it's also a much more durable ship than the ASP, which I think the only thing left for my ASP is the fact that it still jumps further. I might have to change my tactics slightly because with my tank, my python, um, I get to a, you know, I get the, the other ship I'm fighting against to a certain hull and then I just boost into it um, because that's what pythons do. So I guess I'm going to have to maybe change my tactic with the crate. I did find with my little bit of crate flying, I did, that mm. once my shields were down, the canopy was a fat target, uh, which yes. is one of the things that put me off yeah, uh, swapping. Yeah. I've got to say, though, I am a little envious of like the handling and like the profile of its flight versus the python, but you're still not getting the python off me. <laughs> the other no. cool thing about the crate yeah. um, is the position of the size 2 hard points. The hard point positioning on it is delicious. I mean, that can't be argued with, can it? It's it's like a fixed weapon platform dream. I was thinking they're in vision. They're in they're visible, aren't you? I was firing gunfires with them today, mm. and uh, it's yes, it's very cool. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think everybody has agreed that the crate is the. Would would you be fair to say that it is the equivalent of the Millennium Falcon? in uh, for elite i think that's how it was intended yeah ed made the comment on his stream on on monday when people were moaning about the wires and stuff and he did confirm it's yeah it's a millennium falcon analog it's supposed to be bits and pieces packed on with duct tape and whatnot yeah i have to so, have another look back in the cockpit now and see if there are like handles on the floorboards or something for uh, smuggling people in. <laughs> Or if you're in Firefly, what you've got to do is that somewhere on the Serenity and every single episode, you will see a little Han Solo frozen in carbonite. They put that in in every single episode. Just to say, this is what we think it, it would have been like without the Force. <laughs> awesome, I didn't know that. I'll have to keep my eye open next time I watch it. Yeah. It's one of those horrible Easter eggs that people who like Firefly always tell you about. Anyway, um, so... Can I just say, talking about Firefly? Oh, here we go. Did you know that Firefly, well, the Serenity, was in Battlestar Galactica? Yes, I did. It was um, when the Secretary of State, Roslyn, was having her first cancer scan. You can see the Serenity fly over the top of it. Yay, I never knew that. Yes. There's also the Starship Enterprise, if you look carefully. I'm very, very good at spotting these little blooming Easter eggs. I almost <laughs> overloaded when I saw Ready Player One. Oh, I bet you did, yes. <laughs> Oops, I think I managed to kill Grant by inviting him to my wing. Oh, nice one. So, overall, first impression of 3.1 does seem to be quite positive. Yes, I mean, the thing that you've been to, that people have reported the threat level fives mm -hmm. and above for the pirates. Um, haven't found one myself. Um, but There's one in life. No, that's, that's a five. I was thinking about the seven. The, the, okay, the there, was, there was a seven in Lave. Um, what day is it today? Tuesday. There was a seven in Lave on Sunday. 
Did you go into it? I went into it, and uh, I'll... I won't re- give my impression, but I will read a quote that I was... that I liked from Reddit. Mm. So... It's like a compromised nav beacon on steroids with phasing sequence, which are the shield ignoring, chafing, chaffing, however you want to pronounce that, SCB spamming condors, chiefs and asps in large numbers, and there is a slight risk of getting gangbanged if you pick up some cargo. Lovely. So, basically, if if you're in a wing, it'll be a bit of a laugh then. I think it's definitely... Asking about being in a wing. Mm. Yes. I mean, unfortunately, there have been uh, bugs and issues reported with 3.1. It does seem that it's it's needing to go through a bit of a bedding-in period. I mean, is that really surprising? Not really. It's kind of what we expect in a way. I mean, the Guardian Friendship Drive booster is still bugged. Um, Mm. it's, It's less bugged than it was in that it actually works. But you can't use it with neutron star boosts or jumbonium. Oh, right. wasn't there supposed to be a, a restriction of it anyway? Um, how how do you mean? Well, I, I uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I always thought that the Guardian FSD booster was kind of um, a replacement for for using jumbonium or the. Um, it sort of is. It, it gives a ten. Well, at the top end, it gives a ten and a half light year boost to jump range. Mm. So it's not like the full jumponium thing, but right. it's it's infinite. So as long as you can refuel enough, and they have cut down significantly on the fuel use of it. Uh, they've also, I believe, increased the time to spool up your jump drive after each jump as well. Mm. So it takes longer to get to a jump using it um and they've scaled the uh, the sizes so i think the the top end is ten and a half i think i can't remember how it goes all down but i know the class three is seven and a half light years so what they've done is if you like the jump curve is uh sharper so as you get yep. so you start off quite small and then it goes up quite quickly and then plateaus um which is good if you've got a ship like an asp because you can fit a seven and a half Sorry, size three in there comfortably without needing to uh, strip off the, the shield or the um, kill screen. Mm, yeah. Uh, I mean, they have taken that this seemed to have been a problem with uh, approaching either military or security installations on the planet. Now, these mean that uh, a lot of these installations have been removed from the game for the moment, but they're hoping to put them back in. Um, they have been fixing. They they had to take out, but then put back in the collect wish. Uh, the collect the, uh, the collect wing missions, the mission depot, the missing missions. They've all gone and been fixed and put back in already. So that was quite a quick turnaround. Um, overall, I mean, the Ramtar missions have been basically. Are they still not available yet? I don't know. I haven't done the random time missions since they first come out. That's more of a Kogel thing, isn't it? She's been looking at that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's that's like. next on my list after I've, after I've saved this helped save this system that we're we're trying to defend at the moment. My, I'm now de- I'm now determined to go for a tour of uh, of the Guardian sites to try and, and get some 
new Guardian equipment. So <laughs> they have reduced that quite significantly now, didn't they? I know we talked about it last week. But yes, the, they have yeah, reduced it by quite a bit. It's down from like six blueprints to one for everything. I mean, that on its own, even with the other materials not being reduced, is just dramatic difference. Yeah. Yes, because it was the blueprints that took the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, so, obviously, uh, with everything happening in Desiat at the moment, is that right? Yep. Yep, Desiat. Um, new Thargoid scouts have been spotted in the area. Um, these include a berserker type which uh, emits a pulse that gives a damage buff to nearby scouts. Um, a regenerator type, which is kind of cyan, it uh, emits a pulse that heals nearby scouts. And we have an incinerator, which is another shade of red, and it coordinates simultaneous caustic missile strikes. Oh, goody, we do love a bit of caustic missile strikes. Am I the only one that's come across these? The inciter absolutely ruined me i was fighting <laughs> like three others and not really having too much of a problem mm. and one inciter dropped in and everything was hitting me with caustic weapons it just absolutely yeah those things are nasty yeah i mean can you actually target caustic missiles and shoot them down i didn't have like a point defense oh, um no, I, no, don't, no. I don't think you can like target them yourself i, I yeah, destroy I, them with my hull yeah, yeah, block them with your hull is really your only... Yeah. I think the in for the smaller Thargoids, uh, point defense does get them. For the larger, for the larger ones... Point, point defense doesn't work at all, no. Does overheating clear it and help yes. you with these, then? Yes, it does, but the problem is you don't want to be in the middle of a fight trying overheating at the same time. Mm. Mm. Uh, the other thing is that the... the con the contamination limpets, which I've just worked out how to use on myself. Um, basically, uh, they can't really be used in, com in combat because as soon as you get one hit, that's it, the limpet's gone. So you can only use those decon limpets after you've finished off the off the scouts. So, but it, Gurgle, would you say that it's actually made things a little bit more interesting as far as these scouts are concerned? Um... Well, for me, it was really my first foray into fighting <laughs> them, so it just made it go from what was already quite difficult, because I wasn't really in a heavily engineered ship, to just absolutely impossible. Before they arrived, it was not difficult, though. It was just time-consuming. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I imagine if I'd been doing that for a few weeks or maybe a month or two, then probably the added like behavioral changes and having assists jump into a fight that actually was pretty cool having like reinforcements dropping in during it um so yeah probably good it shows me i need to up my game in um in in shooting xeno for sure they put up a lot more of a fight than i was expecting versus like the normal trash you get in a you know res or whatever yeah yeah but i'm glad Frontier putting these hard challenges in, not just for like the, the Thargoid Megas, you know, hundred percent or not. But I'm really glad they're putting these challenges in that do uh, challenge the, the medium and the smaller ships. Like I say, it's encouraging me to to get better at the game 
to, to try and catch up with what the AI is doing. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Mm. So uh, I th- I mean personally, um, I've gone up against a couple of these. I haven't come across uh, an insider yet, but uh, I must admit it has made uh, me certainly work for the uh, for the new content. I've also done my impression of the Thunderbirds. Uh, and been around the mega ships rescuing escape pods. That's been quite interesting. Uh, so, but we do have. I mean, I couldn't believe how fast this happened. But Canon managed to publish a, li- publish a list of at least eight new sites which had content attached to them. Um, these these are um, pretty similar to the Aegis spaces that uh, existed before, but there's a whole load of e- extra things in there with Thargoids attacking the bases. Has everybody seen that one? This might count as spoilers, by the way, Colin. Oh, yes, well... Just saying. Uh, well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll say that, I mean, the, the list is available at Canon anyway. Um, if anybody wants to actually see them, uh, they can be up there, but we haven't actually mentioned anything on those bases themselves, apart from that they are pieces of interest, and you might well get involved with a bit of Thargoid uh, atmospheric fighting. Uh, I know when we were talking about our show preparation for next week, we might go on a bit of a road trip next week and go and have a look at some of these. Yep, that, that might be a... Yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. I was watching um, Malik's stream earlier, and he was actually at one of the sites... Um, and the the story you get from like the audio logs you collect from the site is phenomenal. Just on its own, they are worth like going and doing it. But also, there is a high chance of getting Thargoid encounters at some of these sites. Mm. Um, and it, it, yeah, I don't want to like spoiler it by saying what any of it was. But either go watch his stream or go have a look for yourself. Go check him out on Canon's uh, site and go visit them. Yeah, uh, but it was yeah, really cool spectacle uh, went off. It was pretty awesome to watch. I mean, what the the point I was trying to make was how quick Canon had managed to find eight of these sites. Uh, I think it was within twenty four hours. Yeah, it is I, scarily quick. I like, I like, yeah. Yeah. Do, I mean, do you think they sort of follow Dav around? Maybe Dav sort of just flies over <laughs> and drops down, and Canada there kind of like shapeshift wake scanning him to see where he goes as he flies around the ship. I don't know. Well, apparently there's these new these new um, radio signals signal sources which people will point to these the these new uh, on ground facilities. So yeah, um, it does. It does seem that uh, yeah, it did. It, it, I'm just amazed at how quickly they're able to unveil this content. They do the work, so we don't have to. So yeah, there's a list of them on Reddit, and we won't go through them because it's spoilers. But it does seem to be an awful lot. They're bound, to be honest. Yes. Um, well. Um, it's the same as the Inresites. Uh, I've always found that even though people say that, oh, you can just watch it on YouTube, I've found that if you actually go there, the atmospherics 
driving around their place when you suddenly realize it's worth going to visit these places. And also on top of that, if you're, if you're able to uh, scan any beacons which are around there, you do get quite a bit of cash. So it, it is worth your while to do. Um, not millions, but yeah, it's, en to, it's enough to make it worthwhile. The thing that is quite useful for these new sites is that once you've scanned them, particularly one of the data beacons, you do get a POI on the planet. So if you need to come back, yep. you can you can easily find it again. And I'm glad they started doing that because you only need to spend zooming around the planet randomly once to find it. Yeah. Uh, we'll come into that, something that will help with that as a later. bit of a bit of false foreshadowing, but I have a tool for that later. <laughs> So, um, I mean, overall, the, it just goes to show that even though it's supposed to be a, a small update, we have put on in these extra things for us to discover. Um, I do have one thing to, one small caveat, uh, I think. The only thing I've been dis a little bit disappointed with um, was basically, um, well, you, you know that these scouts, they don't, when you actually take on the scouts, they don't pay that well. And we've had an awful lot of com uh, complaints from um, commanders saying, oh, I'm really enjoying taking out these scouts, but it's costing me too much money. And I'm going to have to go off and do a, um, a, some some grinding in order to come back and do it. Um, there seems to be a lot of po uh, problems about where are the Aegis megaships or the, uh, the high-paying Thargoid massacre missions. Because it did seem that if it put them in, it probably would have encouraged more play or get people more involved in the Stargoid storyline. Wasn't there a bug that was reported that makes these megaships too far away? Is that what you're talking about? So you can't actually pick up the missions and do them because they're too far away? Um, no, I, I don't think that that was reported. I think people are just saying, look, the megaships are about 50 or 60 light years away. Uh, from where all the main target activity is happening at the moment. Well, they're guarding the rare, you see. They're, they're protecting the, the rare while we oh. uh, go forward and be the front line. Uh, I see. So, so basically... So you, you are right about the, um, the the rewards from it because you think you'd want you'd need to earn enough to at least cover your repairs in front of me by. But then again, um, Flash Gordon didn't uh, present the Earth with the invoice when he saved it from being the merciless. So. Yeah, that's true. But then again, you do have to cover your ship costs at some point. Yeah. Um, the the one thing that I do I would like to speculate is that normally, if you, if you lose, we don't deal with enough scouts in a system. Then normally the station or the main station is hit. However, this is an engineer's home system. Will we lose the engineer if we lose the system? I don't think so, because the engineers are on a planet surface. And as far as I'm aware, planet uh, bases on planet surface, surfaces haven't been targeted yet. So are we, are we still going with bases on planetary surfaces and outposts are safe places to be and obviously Hosnobital will never be attacked. <laughs> um, I'm assuming so at the moment, although having seen some of the footage from the damaged um, 
installations, it might be that some of the ground installations might not be as safe as they were. We'll just have to wait and see. I can't imagine we'd lose an engineer because the amount of salt that that would generate. (laughs) I'm assuming there's other things in that system. And usually the engineer base is quite low down the pecking order in terms of in in terms of assets and resources and things well i guess if if it's talking strategically it would be a good idea for the fargoys to hit engineer base oh yeah because because then the ships would take too long to get there and people would go off and do something else but usually they go for the most most monetarily um valuable asset rather than what actually makes sense <laughs> According to Commander Witherspoon, all the Aegis megaships have decided to undergo refits in Colonia. <laughs> and, and why not? Yes. Well, it's cheaper out there, isn't it? <laughs> well, one final point that I will, will say is that um, of the amount of uh, videos reviewing the crate since uh, uh, 3.1 has come out, has been phenomenal. I mean, I'm even working up a top shift one myself. But I think the the best one I've come across so far was Commander uh, Ascorbus's Crete Expectations video, where he plays it completely in VR. And you can tell that um, the VR experience inside inside a crate, uh, according to him, it's, it's, it's up there with the rest of them. So it's good to know that the the VR experience is, is still being maintained to its high quality. If I was the designer of this challenge, I'd feel pretty miffed, actually. Because <laughs> everyone's sort of talking about the crate, and the challenge is like the red-headed stepchild of the um, r- release, isn't it? What if you got the kids of gingers? No, no, it's, it's a phrase. Red-headed stepchild is what I, it's, I think you'll it's, find it's, it's not. It's just right. clearly your, your, your gingivists coming out now. <laughs> Gingerisms. So, um, Grant, if, if it's okay, we, can we go with a an advert, advert break, and we'll be back for uh, John to to basically impress us all with some some uh, cardboard stuff. This is a public service announcement from the Fuel Rats. Please stop what you're doing and pay attention. If we can rescue you, we will. But you can help us help you by following these easy steps. 1. Fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise. 2. Note down the current system and the nearest stellar body. 3. If you're on emergency life support, log out immediately. 4. Go to FuelRats.org and click Get Help. 5. Stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any Lave Radio. You're listening to Lave Radio, and the mics are back on. <laughs> and welcome back. Um, so... As as you know, we have our um, uh, 
our guest this evening, uh, John Lunn of Commander Shokanor from uh, Spider-Man Games. And he would like to talk about battle cards on the Kickstarter. Oh, 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 can Have I, you passed your line yet? Yeah, can I just say one thing to him? Huge, huge thing first, which is... Okay. Congratulations. Why, thank you. <laughs> Have you passed the line then? Uh, yes. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yes. Well, we are now... Uh, hang on one second. I am pressing to talk, and my entire keyboard is just going mental every time I press to talk. But yes, we are, we are now um, over the, uh, the line, so thank you to everyone who, um, who backed us. Um, and yeah, so it's happening battle cards are coming now all we need to do is we need to get out there and um we're gonna populate the kickstarter campaign with a few stretch goals change a few things around and give people some real incentive to not only get involved if they have already then go and get everyone else they know to get involved too excellent i mean at the moment the total is running at uh 90 almost 19 and a half thousand uh over over the seventeen thousand. so yes well done to everybody yes well done to everybody thank you very much so um so what is the uh, the next stage after the uh the stretch goals is it going to be um uh, uh, publishing dates and 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 so on well, at the moment, the plan is that um, at the end of the Kickstarter campaign, we'll have a good idea of um, what kind of number we'd be looking at to order for our first run, for our first print run. Um, and then the printers have told us that that's going to be around the 8 to 12 weeks. So we'll then continue the pre-order um we're kind of toying with the idea of maybe going over to indiegogo or maybe running it through the um the pre-order through backer kit um but whichever way we go we've got um we'll have a bunch of stretch goals for kickstarter mm. and then we'll have a bunch of stretch goals and maybe some referral perks and that kind of stuff for the rest of the pre-order all the way up till the point at which we can deliver and it would be lovely to be able to kind of keep the campaign going as the printing is done so that we can show people the prototypes as they're sent um, out to us by the printers and that kind of stuff. Okay, Ben. Right. Just thinking, I mean, I know obviously you described DD battle cards at LaveCon, but for anyone who's not heard the LaveCon stuff you did, do you want to explain what ED battle cards actually is? Uh, yeah, of course. It's a two player um expandable card game based in the elite dangerous world um so it's uh it's basically a game of three arenas where you start off selecting three of a random number of missions which then determine the way you set out your cards you deploy a certain number of cards according to the rules a certain number of build points you get and then after that it's a great big fight but of course being elite you don't just get where you're going with combat alone you get um uh, a kind of um you know you get a mix of of your mining and your um your delivery missions and all that kind of stuff so uh 
Um, yeah, that's it, pretty much. And I saw you explain a example, I guess, of the combat or something like that, that people were getting a bit confused how it all works out. And there's now a nice little explanation there on your Kickstarter as well. Yes, we were asked. I mean, we we'd um, uh, let. I mean, there's a, a bunch of videos on the Kickstarter page. So there's not only the playthrough that we did with Frontier, but there's also a playthrough, a live playthrough done at UK Games Expo with the critical twits. But there's also the explanation that we did on the LaveCon panel. Saying that, however, there were some folk who were asking, "Can we just have the basic nuts and bolts?" So we've gone and done a graphic showing a basic combat scenario which is now on the kickstarter page so you can go over there and have a look at it it's just four stages of the combat and there are also some um answers we've populated in the frequently asked um asked questions bit explaining a little bit more about the um how the thing works excellent uh, i do believe hopefully we'll have a commander thing coming on soon in order to ask some questions i, th I think he's still yeah, he, he's got his priorities wrong, and he's watching some football match. I think. Uh, is that the human equivalent of Rocket League? Yeah, that's well, the human uh, equivalent right, of CQC. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, I was really, really chuffed to see the Kickstarter do so well, and it's opening twenty four hours. I mean, it was, it was kind of like nothing could stop it, and uh, I hope that the success that you've seen so far continues. But one of the, the questions people had, because obviously there's a lot of us that we pre-ordered it prior in your little pre-order session, and then you had um, offered to sort of refund us all and allow us to pledge in at the Kickstarter rate stage. Now, knowing Frontier's previous aversion, um, it must have been a difficult sell, and if you just want to share what the reasons were that you went and made that which could have been a very brave stage and could have been a bit of a, a backfiring step by turning away your pre-orders and telling them inviting them or or giving them a chance to keep their money <laughs> well um yes absolutely so i tell you what i'll deal with the um the massive elephant in the room um england congratulations they've won on penalties so there you go um we're through um but no going hang back on a minute to hang on, so wait, wait, reverse. we we actually won a penalty shootout Yes, uh, yes, we did. Um, they were two saves um, by our goalkeeper, um, and we've just um, we missed one. So uh, yeah, we're through. Woo! -hoo. Anyway, sorry. Back to um, Grant's very sensible question. Um, oh God, yes. I mean, the idea of asking Frontier to support a crowdfunding, um, uh, sort of a crowdfunding uh, project, um, wasn't easy. Um, however. It kind of went a bit like this. We launched through the um, through the live stream with Frontier, and it was well received um, by those who got it. However, there was a, 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 a I don't know whether it's fair to say majority, but there were a loud number of people who didn't get it didn't yes. get that it wasn't Frontier, didn't get that it wasn't them launching it, which in a way I guess you can take as a compliment because if you know it looks slick enough to be released by Frontier, I'll take that as a compliment any day of the week. Um, so they went off on a, um, a bit of a, um, uh, a salt-throwing exercise and it, it kind of changed the, the topic of the evening from the cards to... Um, stop wasting your time on anything other than my game which you have to fix 
So we it, we kind of realised that whilst it had a real chance of of getting a great boost, for those people who saw it and liked it, awesome. But we kind of felt that we'd missed a trick with that, and that the conversation had been, um, or, or the release had been dampened somewhat by this group of people who were absolutely convinced that Frontier were behind this and 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 they were evil and whatever. So um, at the same time, we go to we've we're already booked in for UK Games Expo, so we turn up to UK Games Expo with this kind of understanding that it hadn't quite worked the way we'd wanted, and then all of a sudden the stall went mental we weren't in a particularly geographically in within the hall we were in quite a sort of in the corner because we'd come to uk games expo late so we'd booked one of the last stalls so we're kind of facing the entrance to the loos and a fire exit um and we were stuffed we were rammed the entire three days and there were people queuing up and the the feedback that we got was so positive we also got visited by a bunch of um foreign language game companies who wanted an opportunity for us to license to them the cards so they can get them translated into foreign languages um, and we were also visited by our distributor who upped the number of um, units they wanted to buy on release and they were all saying to us why are you not on kickstarter and i think the reason they were asking is because kickstarter is for those who don't know apart from the fact that kickstarter obviously is a crowdfunding website it's roughly speaking uh, and this I was told by a journalist who attended LaveCon. But I think, if I get my figures right, it's a that it's about 60% of Kickstarter's revenue year on year is gained through board and card games. So by far, their biggest audience are the card and board game people. So you would be mad not to take your card and board game to kickstarter at least give it a chance and so i gave this i sent the article across to frontier and i have to say after that and after they'd seen the reaction and we had a bunch of the developers on time off who happened to be at uk games expo because they liked the hobby um they came to see us they came to play our game and i think everybody could see that it was clearly um, a game that needed to be shouted about, and and after that, it was thumbs up from from everyone, which was awesome. So, um, well, I'll just jump in there. We are we are joined by our head of entertainment, Commander Thane, Chris Jarvis. Uh, welcome, welcome into this rather cramped sidewinder. Um, we've got John here with battle cards. As um, anything you'd like to say? Uh, yeah, no, I just wanted to uh, to just you know echo what John was saying about how busy. You know, they were running like a fair at UK Games Expo. I, I sort of dropped by to say hello, uh, and it was very much a sort of stolen handshake because there were just continually people there demoing the game. And, and not only that, I mean, I think John's... Uh, it's not like John to sort of send himself short, but I think actually, you know, you can't underestimate what an impact uh, the ED battle cards um, made at UK Games Expo because their, their presence in those halls, just in terms of like pull-up banners and posters and things like that, the you know their, their actual position of their booth might have been in the corner but it was very difficult to walk around the expo and not be aware that the ed battle cards were there and i think they did a really good job because it's, it's it's really hard i think for a you know um a small company or a new company to to stand out at uk games expo you know there were lots of there were lots of games and you know designers and small publishers and things that i only discovered because we happened to be you know walking through all of the little uh, alleys and things and we you know we were sort of making a point of trying to see everything but 
uh, yeah, they really did just, you know, have a, an incredible presence there, and I think make a uh, make a great impression. Yeah, I must I must admit, um, when I was watching the uh, stream go through, the I I was really taken aback by the amount of um, vitriol there. Even though they were explained, this is being developed by a different company. We're just demoing it. It just oh, Grant, do you want to jump in there? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously you can't help people in live streams. My question was actually about one of the things that's been raised in the Kickstarter that uh, you guys have seemed to have taken on board as a as something to at least investigate, uh, and that is to look for a version or release a version of the game on Tabletop Simulator. Now, that would tackle one aspect um, of the ability for people to play that online um, my question is I've not, I mean I've bought games, I've got the likes of uh, Zombicide on Tabletop Sim and that's great uh, they they released the main board game the little models are beautiful, it's perfect, it's really good for playing but they never released any of their sort of sort of updates and I'm, I'm wondering if you might find that it might not be a platform that allows you to introduce the additional packs or if you could <laughs> this is the thing, is, I'm always thinking that you know how do you guys monetize that because you could have the initial game and the sort of thing but you've got your seasons planned uh, and whether or not you've worked out if tabletop simulator is going to allow you to sell extra DLC cards in the same way and mirror what you're doing in the physical world yeah I mean yeah there's, first of all I don't know enough about tabletop simulator i.e. the back end of it um, to fully be able to answer that without a kind of we'll have to wait and see because I guess one game's audience is possibly different to another. But um, I, I noticed, actually, Grant, I didn't fully answer your last question, which was about the refund side of things. It was a gamble to go through to Kickstarter. But I think everybody um, who was on side, we directed them towards the YouTube site. They could see the slightly flat initial reaction, saw us at, at UK Games Expo, spoke to us at LaveCon. I mean, I managed, thankfully, by the, and I'm so glad we went to LaveCon. By the end of LaveCon, I'd managed to speak to 25% of these people personally. And they were all like, awesome, go for it. So it was great to be able to see those people um, refunded and then come straight back onto the to the campaign. But yeah, go, moving forward to the, um, it was actually, I believe, Grant, it was you that first mentioned tabletop simulator whether you'd picked it up from someone else or not but it was the first mention of it and it was what got me started so so i've i've um pinged over a hello to the the company that um that uh run uh, tabletop simulator and i'm going to be chatting to their business development manager to kind of see what we can work out because quite rightly as someone did say in the comments on the kickstarter page if you don't put one there someone will um whether it's because i think i think that the, the way you work is you are allowed to upload images of games that you own for your own enjoyment yeah I mean, but that doesn't stop people from swapping those images on a third party site it's not even that distant that from the game because the the one thing about tabletop simulator is the 
the sort of development, the what would you call them? What they call they got the green ah oh, crikey, I can't remember what it's called. The moders, the moderator sort of the mod side of things on tabletop is huge, so, so you can get any game at all for free through these people that are putting up their own mods. You just download their DLC, subscribe to them in the sort of the, the, the back room. I can't remember what the part's called. I'm looking in the chat. Someone say, what's that bit you go to in Bloom and Steam? The Steam Workshop, isn't it? The Workshop, that's the one. So you can get, um, for example, uh, we were trying some games. Obviously, I love Zombicide and I had to buy the base unit, which was, I think it was six, uh, six, six pounds for the DLC for the basic Zombicide game. And then someone has released all of the supplementals all of the game cards and everything that you can buy which would cost you best part of a thousand pounds plus to buy in the real world and you can just download their little mods and boom you've got a lot of them and that's what we've been playing and what i was concerned about was yeah people can do it i can tell you for certain that when you get an officially released package and game on tabletop it is far and beyond better than anything that comes out of the workshop but what tends to then happen is the workshop reworks it, put in macros, put in all kinds of stuff to make the game much easier for people to access, which is good, but it's not great if when you are releasing new packs, they're getting uploaded by people for your game and bypassing that ability for you to make any sort of money off them. So I think you know if you have a chat with Tabletop, I'm pretty sure they'll be able to sort of allay your fears and any concerns of how to go about doing that and whether or not it's a suitable platform for it. But definitely, if you were to get a core game in there that people would use, um, I think it's a huge thing for people to be able to play their friends online at their leisure if they've got, you know, and then when they're down at conventions or out with their friends at the house, they can play it in the real world because tabletop doesn't take away from that. No, it also really helps us because if you think forward to um, wanting people to review your game, at the moment, I have to um, pay for, um, I mean, we got a, a bunch of sample packs, some of which you guys have seen, got a bunch of sample packs sent over by um carter mundi who we got um who, who we're hoping to get the cards printed by um but they only go so far and if you want you know some of the content creators that are out in the states who are really keen to get their hands on the game and want to review it and want to put it out to their viewers it'd be lovely if they got an opportunity to do it during the kickstarter or the pre-order phase and that's kind of also what i'm looking at because that's in advantage itself because people can actually play it critique it on tv show fantastic graphics of the various cards and put their own 10 pennies worth in as to what they think of the game yeah i mean i, I think it makes a lot of sense and just i just know from you know from my personal position i'd find it a lot easier to play a game say with grant over tabletop simulator than meeting in manchester or something weird like that so i could play a, a board game with grant yeah, and I, I guess people will usually want to get the tabletop simulator thing as an add-on. Yeah. Rather, I mean, some people might come to the game and, and might come to the game through tabletop simulator and then want to get the physical pack. But I assume most of the time people will want to be doing the other way around. And I, I'm tempted in that case to maybe... Uh, I, I'm, I'm talking very much speculatively <laughs> at the moment, but you chuck a code in to each of the sets that people get so that they can get a, a copy of the, um, you know, the tabletop simulator legit 
files mm -hmm. for less kind of thing. I don't know, but yeah. maybe that's one thing. We can it's do. something really exciting though, because it does mean that we can, uh, you can do tournaments and stuff online, and it doesn't have. Uh, any of the sort of difficulties in organising if you're not in the physical area so it does allow a lot more wider world play and again helps promote it and I think the majority of people who are on tabletop are playing games that they love or showing off a game that they love to their friends that haven't seen it and a lot of the times certainly when we've been down at the conventions and played games you can guarantee that the person you played with, one, has been shown the game by someone who's an enthusiast and enjoys it and gives it all big ups and promoting it and is excited about it. And when you play with somebody who's playing their game, you cannot help but catch that infectious enthusiasm and therefore you go straight home, straight onto the internet and you buy yourself a copy. And I think, you know, maybe from a point of view of tabletop being that easy access, easy way to, to sell it to other people um, through your... Well, ever-growing collection of massive and enthusiastic fans. Well, um, fingers crossed I can speak to these guys and we can get something sorted because it would be really nice to be able to organise that. I mean, that's not the only extension that we're currently looking at, um, but it is one of them and one of the reactions to the feedback we've had from people. Uh, another one is the stretch goals are, f are far too measly and far too widely spread. Yes, in a way, sort of done on purpose initially because we've got a bunch of stretch goals that we kind of wanted to look at. But again, as I said before, we're looking to run a campaign of not just the Kickstarter month, but also a two-month pre-order outside of that. I don't want to give everything away in Kickstarter mm. and then have nothing left. And also, I don't want to... Um, in, in some way penalize people for not being on Kickstarter um, because, you know, there are going to be some exciting stuff that the Kickstarter people will be having and, and, and we're going to be releasing more details of what that is very soon. But um, what I want to be able to have ongoing stuff people can continually work towards. And, and like you said um, a minute ago, Grant, you know, when you've got people enthusing about it and telling other people to jump on, I kind of want that that extra benefit to then benefit everybody you know i don't want i don't want you grant to go well i've got my box so i can sit back and sleep easy now it's like yeah but there are some the extra stretch goals that are now coming on the pre-order side of things which if if um your mates buy a set everybody gets the benefit of excellent so we're, we're looking at about um three to four months before um things physical media starts to arrive we're saying quarter four Mm -hmm. because you know shit happens um and <laughs> and uh to say anything else more specific than that we're just going to get bitten by it um uh, but we will you know continue to let people know what's going on throughout the manufacturing process so that um you know so that people have a, a reasonable idea of when it's coming so not wanting to put words into anybody's mouth but do you think we might be able to should there be a fx18 might we be able to pick one up there a bit like we picked up the books at 17. That's a trap. That's when? a trap. Don't answer that question. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> She's grand. Um, I'd love to. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the idea is absolutely love to. Um, ha uh, have they? I'm completely ignorant of such things. Have they actually announced a date? They haven't announced they a date. They haven't announced nothing. But, they, but have they announced an intention to have one? Uh, David yes, Braben have, yeah. mentioned that. Because the answer is hell yes. I mean, uh, um, first of all, Ben, if we can get the sets done by then, then that would be quite cool because it happened that we had the 
first print of the core book done for just before FX 17. And yeah. as a result, the stall went mental and we managed to, you know, give a lot of happy um, people their core book. So, yeah, I mean, the idea would be that would be fantastic. Um, but it would be lovely to know when that is. Um, and <laughs> yes, it uh, would be. Closer, closer to December would be better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be well, nice if Frontier did let us know these things. Yeah. Well, um, they've got to decide well, them first. You can't go chucking things out there about like, like, yeah, and uh, Ed said it on the stream, it's next week. No, you can <laughs> They, defi- like, they, they definitely do go shown- and do things like... Yeah, Frontier do go and do so. Hey, by the way, guys, we're doing Frontier Expo at the 1st of August. Yeah, Come well, along! They've, Seriously, they, guys? You're they, giving me that much notice? If it's the 1st of August, then the answer to your question is it's not no. unless it's <laughs> 2019. <laughs> I suspect it won't be, but that it does feel like they sometimes give us about a week's notice. When do they give us notice for last year? Because last year was in October, wasn't it? Early October, I think it was. When did the tickets go on sale last year? Only a few weeks before. It wasn't long. Yeah, but again, it was a, it was one of those ones where I think it fell into the possibilities. It went from the realms of a good idea that Ed had, and then it became real super quick, and the best time was then picked for coordinating to things. So there's a lot of things that poor Frontier have got to contemplate before they slam these dates out there because if you can make it land on a special day where you're launching something then you've got your exclusive reason for people to come along and the last one was I mean I didn't get to go which is a shame Um, but it looked fantastic and I saw the photographs of our our, the Lave Radio stand and the Hutton Trucker stand and the special effects stands and it was just really nice to see such a huge event so they would be crazy not to have another one but they definitely have shown a, an enthusiasm for definitely having another one but other than that that's as far as the idea has been officially mentioned yeah i kind of hope they have a different venue because it seemed a bit small for what the amount of people there and i believe they oversold the tickets uh, which is why they're a bit stringent on which door you went in in, into the main hall, um, just kind of being being picky. There, there seemed to be not enough room to sit down and chat, and all the stands seemed to be scrunched to one side. Um, and it would have been good to have more space, I think, for everyone to walk around and sit and have more attendances and stuff like that. So I hope they have a bigger, a bigger, better venue this time around, because this time they've got Jurassic World as well to talk about. And they've got so, battle cards to play, so we've got exactly, to have you know, yeah. a whole bunch of tables out there for people to come room. along and have a go if they haven't yet. A yeah, whole exactly. That, massive corridor that, with just Grant a says, battle card battle tables room. all the way along a them. Well, in fact, you know what they should do is it shouldn't be, uh, you know, forget Frontier Expo. It's going to be a battle cards expo, and it's going to be. I mean, this is this is the future for you, um, John. I'm just going to put it out there that there's going to be conventions where people are going to go. They're going to start at their starting tables. It's going to be like one of these online gambling arenas, and each you know table you hear a cheer as some guy goes through to the next round, and the tables become fewer and fewer as the evening goes on until you get to that massive grand final. And they lift their massive prize of a free copy of Elite Battle Cards. No, they don't. <laughs> but how awesome would that be? And in that respect, here's the question, because let's make it into a question, for goodness sake. Um, what are your long-term visions for Elite Battle Cards? 
we are going to be publishing before he says because it's not me writing them it's oliver we are going to be publishing the um uh rules for tournaments before the end of the kickstarter campaign so it would be great if people could have a look over them see what they think give us their experience especially people who've played magic and who've been to these sorts of tournaments before um and then from there we um maybe i mean again this isn't something that's been uh that, that any green light's been given, but maybe we can have a go and try out a mini tournament at maybe one of the conventions that Frontier are at by way of going along and being, um, you know, some of their window dressing for people who are queuing up to have a go. Um, and we can get people excited by having tournaments and starting that as a, in a regular thing. I mean, for example, LaveCon, you know, um, I'll take the... Um, that room we had again um and um i'll take another two rooms the same size and we can run a massive tournament fest for three days there as well yeah that room was buzzing all the time at LaveCon. it really was it was like it was rocking all the time it's you know, amazing to see i think you know when um the original um was it chaos reborn um, came out with Julian Gollop, who was who was there for that weekend. We ran in the land room a tournament of that, and although you know it's just for the honour that that we have the raffle and the award ceremony, it's usually just for a certificate or you know to get your name shouted out as the winner. The same as Artemis, um, yeah. I think battle cards would be a spectacular tournament to run at next year's LaveCon and I'll certainly I think every one of us will be screaming if it doesn't happen uh, to make sure that um, and certainly I know that Alan and uh, Karen love this kind of stuff so it's um, an easy um, an easy yes I would imagine so I look forward to losing <laughs> miserably in the first round and then sitting in a cupboard in half well, whenever someone says about chess, and this was to show my, uh, sorry, games, this show my age, I remember the Blake 7 episode where they had this weird guy in a seat and he was playing a very drunken villa. Do you remember that one? No? Okay. Anyway, go with it. Just remi- it just reminds me of that because you have this one on the Grand Master sitting there challenged all in sundry. And they, instead of the loser getting electrocuted, like in a TV show, maybe they have to buy a drink or something. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. So basically, the the more drunk. Oh, I think I remember the episode now. Um, the <laughs> the more you progress up the <laughs> up the competition, the drunker you are. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, John. Put that in the ideas list. Sounds grand. A drink a drinking game related to it sounds fantastic. Well, as long as there's, as long as there's a little space on the side for uh, a miniatures game, and uh, uh, I think you and Oliver are, are definitely got to swap games at some point. Yes, um, in fact, that's a, a something um, we're also um, wanting to do as well, um, which is something for a, a completely different um, uh, radio show. But um, we're we're looking at doing a. Um, a kind of an Oliver and John plays because one on YouTube, because one of the things that we've uh, found since launching spider Man games is the number of people who've come to us. Um, and maybe actually, maybe Colin, your, your game is too well developed, but what we're, <laughs> what we're looking for is we're actually looking for um, people who often come up to us and go, I've designed this great game. And then they, sh- they show us their design and it is literally almost 
as often as not on the back of a fag packet. And it's great because you get to sit there and you get to kind of imagine this game that they've produced. And I think, you know, there's so many YouTubers, so many content creators falling over themselves to review the nicest, biggest, shiniest, newest Kickstarter that's coming out and that they'll only ever receive finished items of things before they review it and they always want paid to be paid for it or whatever and i think something's missing where you've got the idea of the the little guy who's designed the game who hasn't paid a dime towards its development it's just got it scrappy bits of paper but this awesome game and that needs to be reviewed and that needs to be given some airtime so anyway. it's basically dragon's den for rpgs Okay. Yes, ex games. yes. Except there's no there's no promise or even requirement that this thing is ever going to go into production. Although you know, to be honest, and real dragons. Amazing, why not? And real dragons, exactly that. <laughs> well, um, I, that sounds an excellent idea, John. I hope it, uh, I hope uh, something comes to fruition of it. Um, but we'll we'll leave ED battle cards for the moment and touch on other community things which have been happening uh, in the last week or so. Um, so, but feel free to hang around and chip in if you need to. So, um, just quickly, um, the Corollius Beta site has already got the the Crate Mark II and the Alliance Challenger put in it. Is this correct? This is correct. Yes. I think uh, what we should do is, is sorry, rename it as, as the crate and the other one. <laughs> the crate and the other one. <laughs> the crate and the ginger stepchild. No, the, the crate and the, what's it called? Challenger. Doesn't board well, really. I, I, yeah. Anyway. Um, did we cover last week, sorry, my is failing me, the mysterious ships that were unveiled in the store? Yes. We we did cover it, the Crate Phantom, and what was the other one? The Crusader, wasn't it? The Crusader, yeah. Both of which disappeared for the from the store faster than uh, a knockoff of a Games Workshop <laughs> website. So, um, yeah, I, you could speculate about what these things are going to be. Phantom, obviously, I think kind of says something along the lines of more stealthy, more hidden type of ship. Or it could be sort of purple, like the Phantom superhero. Shan, I think you're probably the only person who knows about the Phantom superhero. It definitely sounds as though it's going to be stealthy. They'll probably up this ubiquity yeah. rating. But, I mean, I thought they were meant to do that with the crate as well, though. Oh, they did, but maybe they can make it super stealthy. Super, super stealthy. Yeah. Make it, make make it black and carbon looking or something. Maybe they'll give it a cloaking device. Like, like <laughs> oh no, you have to fly up an asp and then collect the cloaking device and then you can use it. I thought that would be a um. Oh no, my elite red just died. Constrictor. I thought it would be the constrictor that you got the cloaking device on. No, you got it from an asp. Well, you you on the spectrum version anyway. <laughs> Oh, oh no! We'll we'll have to hit the the FAQ the FAQs now. Oh, the OCDs could be in a kick in. Um, but moving on, uh, we've also had um, Cornelius comparing the the Crate Mark II to the Python. Cornelius, say it then properly. Cornelius. Cornelius. Then. <laughs> Does life have a Cornelius station in it? What? 
<laughs> so Lane's got a Cornelius type station, does it as well? Yes, okay, Ben, right. Uh, do you want to take that one then? <laughs> Why are you still reading? <laughs> or at least go on about Edison. <laughs> How long have we had Coriolis in the game, Colin? We've been in since Alpha. Yeah, you, you're going to get marched down to PR for that bullying <laughs> attitude you're displaying there, Mr. Ben. <laughs> I'm sorry, Colin. I really am. No, you're not, Ben. Uh, where's the mute button? Where's the mute button? <laughs> you, you can kick your for some of I think you should be able there to. There we go. <laughs> I feel very mean, Ben. It's because I mispronounced the streamer's bloody dear, name. Dear listeners, the reason for this is in the show notes. There, there's a Coriolis beta. Just talking about the uh, has the crate Mark II and the Alliance Challenger in its ship configuration. And the next line is a returning streamer Cornelius has compared the crate Mark II to the Python. Thank you. Uh, thanks Thank for you explaining that, Sean. I hadn't actually read the co- show notes <laughs> about this. And I didn't uh, see dear. the two things being next to each other. You know, no one could ever hear you for what you were saying. Admitted you, Ben. That's fine. <laughs> so, now that you've calmed down, talk to us about Edison. Right. Okay. So, I... When I got my crater, I had to go off and do some engineering. And I thought, you know what? This is actually going to be a good opportunity for me to go and visit Dav's Hope and the Barnacle Forest and pick up stuff for that. Um, and then I was like, just looking around things and was like, how do I find where these things are? I was like, okay, I've got the coordinates. And then I saw a link to a little utility called Edison. And it basically... You you feed in the coordinates to it, and it's got bookmarks as well, so you can you can record the bookmarks down. So you, you feed in your x, y, and z coordinates as well, if you can if you've got them. Uh, you give the planetary radius, and then it'll tell you as you're approaching the planet. It'll say, you know, navigate to bearing three ten, and distance is uh, five thousand meters. Or yeah, fifty thousand meters or something like that, or five hundred thousand, and then I'll just steer you in second by second using the status.json file. I think it is that gets updated with your coordinates, and then it'll also even tell you when to drop down. So if you're to go into glide mode, it'll say drop now and give you the descent angle of thirty degrees or something like that, and it literally just steers you to the the site that you've given it, which means you're no longer having to fly around the planet time after time trying to find the bloody place. I don't know if you know, but the you know remember the G nineteen app we had on the yes. show a few weeks back. That I, also has a GPS it, function in yeah, it. And they complement each other quite well. The yeah. two. Yeah. The no, thing is, if I can just get a soapbox for is. If third-party apps can do this, why can't Frontier put it in their game? It, I, I, I'm going to do the classic, how hard can it be? But <laughs> people, have, people have done this in their own free time, and you know, why can't it be a little thing on the, on the flight display that says, go this way, do that, etc. after it, you put the coordinates? I mean, I don't it's know. one of the things Blizzard did really well with Warcraft, wasn't it? Was... Looking at... Steal everybody else's mod ideas and use them. 
Yeah, and then bake them into your and bake them into your game. Why not? They've basically done all the because UI it testing for you. Ruins the content that all their fans made. Yeah, how would yeah, you but... feel if you go off and spent two, three years of your time developing a mod, and then Frontier or Blizzard go off and say, "Ha, yeah, well, we went off and threw ten developers at it for a couple of weeks, and we made something shittier, but it's good enough." And I'm not going to download your mod. Well, to, tell you, job. to tell you the truth, Ben, I mean, I've done the looking for wing thing. Mm. I would rather have them have that looking for wing functionality yeah. in the game than have to rely on my website or on the Discord chat. I channel. think most people that write or contribute to the third-party tools that assist the game do it because they want that functionality. Now, if they could be playing the game instead and the game did all of that stuff, I think all those developers would much rather not be spending 10 hours a week writing those tools. Mm. Um, and ironically, um, Elite Dangerous, or Elite, the original Elite, spawned a ho inspired so many developers. I'm surprised oh, yeah. there are not more tools. Bethesda have even um, released... Uh have have brought on board some of those modders, paid them per bit of content, and now they're making mods for the the sort of the shop that Bethesda opened. Yeah. For, this is for Fallout Four, I know. I, mean, I know. Didn't they try and put that into Steam, but it backfired somehow? There was a paid mod support thing put in Steam that got pulled like three days later because of backlash. Yeah. Well, what I remember was Counter-Strike, because that started off as like a hobby project, didn't it? Well, it was a mod for Half-Life originally, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, that's something I wouldn't have a problem if, say, in the Steam Workshop, people, they did go and say, well, if you, you can get this through the Steam Workshop, but it's 50 pence or something like that. Which I guess is what you're saying that people had a, had a backlash over. Hmm. Yeah, basically. I think people objected to what was seen as a hobbyist sort of mod community being monetized into what was effectively when they're saying, if you're paying for this content, I want it from a developer that's, you know, spit and polished you, it. You don't want, yeah, but if you're turning out, a, I mean, I don't know what you'll think about this, John, but if if you're turning out a professional, if you're making money off it, presumably you're wanting to turn it into a professional product. So, yeah, I, mean, I don't, for example, think that the guys that make EDDB or Coriolis mm. are thinking, how can I monetize the hours that I'm putting into this project? No, I think they're on... thinking, how can I expose bits of the game that I want to enjoy playing with and that the community will find useful for the game doesn't provide. I, I, I think the motivation for doing it is varied. I mean, some people, they do it so they can, when they go to a job interview, you can say, look, I wrote this mod with this game, this is how it works. So it's almost like creating a portfolio to help them get a foot on the ladder. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and maybe there's an element of everything. You know, there's the, um, the altruist in there that says, I'll do it for the good of the community, or there's a gap here, I'll do it for everyone. But I'm also wondering if for some people it's, I'll do this because I can't demonstrate my ability as a programmer in a gaming environment any other way because no one will give me a chance. Well, I do know that 
from my experience for developing the EDW TRB, which allows you to look for a wing, a role-playing group, someone to trade a raid good with, or someone to set a bounty hunter on, um, that was specifically because I thought these things were missing from the game. Although there is a, a, a donate button just to handle any server costs to keep the website running, I'm not expecting to make any money off it. No, but if you think about um, what you would like to get from that thing i mean I, there, there was a post um on the i think it was on steam where somebody backlashed against the backlash by saying so what you're basically saying is that you want these developers to spend their all their time developing something for you and you want it for free mm -hmm. and 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 i get that and and obviously coming from my side of the fence it, it is about making money enough um to you know to be able to carry on the business that's why we launch the game we can't you know fully sustain a business model with just one or two games so we're obviously going to have to release more but at the same time um you've got to um you've got to understand that if you the player want something to remain steady then you pay for it or you're at the whim of that person and i'm not saying that you would do this colin but what if you know your attention was was you know moved to something else mm -hmm. you you would then stop doing it so think of all the other sites that can potentially latch onto your site let's say for example ours my, my game and dave hughes's rpg and other people start using it and so we're advertising it on our discord channel and it's starting to be used and picked up by commanders and all of the ambassadors we've now got for EDRPG are saying to the people they play with um oh by the way if you want to play an online game on roll 20 go to this site because and then all of a sudden one day bang it's gone it's 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 disappeared why because colin's got a day job or because he's busy doing something else now i'm not saying that we need to raise enough money to give Colin the day job of just running this. Well, that'd be quite nice. But it would be at least be nice for an incentive for you to keep it going and for you to at least cover the costs. And I think, I don't think it's a huge ask to expect if you want a really good regular support. I think Coriolis and EDDB and Inara are spectacular sites. So I'd, I'd love to see them shown a bit of love so that because it wasn't one of them at one point recruiting to try and find someone else to take it over because they, you know, they, they'd been burnt out or something. I think so. Coriolis was, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I, know, I know I gave Obsidian Ant a quid every month and things like that just because I believe in his work. Um, I don't that's know. That's Patreon, though. That's for his Patreon thing. Um but yeah, I'd quite, I'd quite happily. I don't know if there's a way for me to give Coriolis or EDDB a ongoing. I want to go. The, I want to go and have um, a look now. There isn't a, a donate button. I think that's both for my main uh, Inara. Sorry, mm. <laughs> uh, and there for Mister Wotherspoon to have a go at. Um, yeah, I've got both donate buttons on there. I think I've I've given. Oh. I, th I think I owe Inara a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, EDDB does have a donate button down the bottom. Mm. So, and that, that's actually, I, I like how they've got it down the bottom. It's not at the top shouting donate. It's no. just a subtle little thing down the bottom saying donate. Yeah. So, if you use these sites, I, I these people that helped develop one, I would say, yeah, just to be much, just something to say, you know, thank you. But anyway, 
we're diverting ourselves here a little. Uh, and do you want to talk about what Commander Drakens from the East End has been doing for the Lave Radio Network? Yeah, I can do that. So, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Lave Radio, Lave Station, sorry, was in lockdown for the most of last week and things like that. And we're now in civil unrest. So that meant that essentially there was no brandy available from Lave Station for the past couple of weeks um, or past 10 days or whatever it was. Uh, and supplies are now at limited numbers. Um, whoever, if you can hear me, is it three or is it more or less? If anyone knows how much the exact numbers are, let me know, please. I think it's three, but I wouldn't want to bet my life on it. And the usual amount of of brandy you can get is 12 at, a, 12 at a time. So what the guys at the East India Trading Company went off and did was they basically, you can give them palladium and they'll give you a brandy of if you, that's what you want or whatever you, or however you want to just do it. So let's say you want to go and unlock DD Vuri, whatever her name is, in Leasty. You want you need fifty brandy for that, and you can go and drop. You can go and ask the EIC for fifty brandy, and you'll give them fifty palladium or something, and they will do that. Uh, but their supplies of brandy ran rather low the past couple of weeks. So last night, myself and a few other commanders basically filled up my cutter with five hundred and thirty-three tons of brandy. And we flew over to EIC's home base and we've essentially, we've given EIC 500 tons of brandy. And if any of our listeners are needing any brandy for unlocking commanders, unlocking the engineer, sorry, let me know on our Discord. And basically we've got free brandy for people if you need it whilst supplies are limited just as an update, currently, right now, in Lave Station, you can buy 12 units of Lavian Brandy off oh, the market. Okay, that's awesome. So this lock, this might not have... I thought they were meant to be limited, but maybe it isn't going to be. Um, but we, if we keep getting attacked, then we'll probably go on lockdown again. So it's a good thing to have a few hundred tons of Brandy sitting spare, just yeah. in case... Oh, it's a fantastic backup, um, but yeah, come and absolutely rinse the commodity market while you can. Yeah. So you um, can now actually buy more labian brandy than you can bottles of Diet Coke in Asda. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Di Diet Coke is, is a limited to supply, as is beer. Um, and I heard beer's going up in price as well, apparently. Mm. Um, uh, EIC did ask us, you know, obviously they've got lives themselves, so if you are wanting any of their brandy, they're asking if we could give them maybe a, if we could give them sort of a 24-hour period, don't expect them to just drop everything because you want your brandy. Obviously their commanders have a life too, and you've got to figure out when he's going to be around and when you're going to be around, and then you'll make arrangements and meet up with them. Um... It did feel slightly ominous when we dropped in on them because you know, you, you, I was sitting there in my cutter all kitted out for trading with very, very little and I show up to their wing beacon and there's a there's one of their cutters all fully armed with guns out pointed at me 
they all had their Shiplon fighters out. There were two other crates in the wing. And I just drop in and all of a sudden those three ships just like gang up on me ready to attack. I'm like, it's only me, please don't shoot. Uh, but obviously they've got to keep their, their whales safe as they kill them. But yeah, if you want free brandy and you need free brandy when we're in lockdown, EIC can give it to you and get in touch with me and we'll we'll make it happen. Excellent. Um, John, Miss, we have a question from the chat room um, from Commander with the Spoon who asks questions so we don't have to. Um, what is this next stretch goal for the battle cards? We are going to be changing the stretch goals, and I believe it is going to be seeing the Dance Macabre put in an appearance um, at the next level, and I believe that next stretch level is going to be 25,000. Right. Excellent. Um, okay. Has anybody got any final things they'd like to, to say before I sign off with the, uh, the CQC Discord? I want to know what the hell the dance macabre is. <laughs> I, I guess ah. you'll have to. Yes, it's it's um it's a ship that currently is in is a stretch goal uh, in the Kickstarter, but um people want it, so we're okay. going to be bringing it down. And um yeah, there there there'll be much more released about it over the next. Obviously, of it's not going to be as nice as the imperial cutter that you've got the, in there the armored cutter no the, the, one, yeah. one, the, the one sporting that um shiny it's a beautiful uh, skin isn't it flame skin it's <laughs> it's beautiful it's it's um almost impregnable i mean it's uh you know actually talk, talking about that i mean i want to give this to john yeah i'm, I'm surprised how slow it is because i know how fast my cutter can move um, I, yes, but of course you've I'm got to remember. You've got balancing issues and things like that, obviously. For yes, it. but yes, but also you've got to remember that that isn't just in a straight line. Yes. I mean, your your cutter can kick ass in a oh, straight line, but yes. you want it to you want it to turn turn circles and and so you've got to be and, and that, <laughs> that, that that one speed figure has got to represent every type of speed that that ship can engage gotcha. in. Yeah, yeah, so that makes sense. Looks like a fish, moves forward like a fish, turns like a cow. That's the one. <laughs> She's a good drifter. <laughs> well, uh, and final uh, summing up, of course, we will give a shout out to the CQC Discord. Um, of course, um, for the discerning ca uh, commander who likes a bit of CQC action, which, as we mentioned earlier in the show, should be a little bit easier right now, even though it's not a lobby. <clears throat> So, uh, following this, we do have the excellent news from uh, Commander Witherspoon. Uh, so, at the moment, we will say thank you to um, everybody who has joined us in a, in Twitch chat. And, um, Kurgle and Ben, who are the commanders that are helping you out in the pirate zone? I think they've all buggered off back to Lave Station after getting beaten up. But I'm currently in a wing with Miggles and... I did see whoever around. I saw Kurgle. Yeah, whoever's um, here. Lowlander's here. Darkstar, Malik. Claire uh, Helen was around, although she was in a she was in a crate with no guns. Uh, Starion was around. Um, I think Speedmats. Yeah, don't ask. I don't know. Oh, actually, John, has Oliver made any comments about the crates and its antennas? No, uh, he, he except to swear and <laughs> and say that they should be hard points. But remember that you know at the end of you're, the day, you're the crate mark one, the crate light speeder 
that is in the RPG yes. is a uh, border world rehash of the original ship using bits that were made available to them. This isn't the newest release that, that uh, Lacon have chucked out. Is it Lacon that made the crate? Um, anyway. No. Oh, it's, it's not. There you go. So um, it's, yeah, it's more of a, it's more of a hodgepodge uh, put together by some, um, you know, distant uh, workshop rather than a, a legitimate claim to the name so that's why there's so much difference uh, and one final question john is how is project weasel cat going weasel rat um weasel rat. We, yes project weasel rat has stalled slightly on the basis that it is um not for sale as of yet at in the shops um <laughs> in in the uh, online shops but it will be um we are uh, in the process of distributing um our um uh, edrpg bits to our backers um we got let down by some printers who were doing us the gm screen otherwise we would have been fulfilling everybody by now but we are fulfilling people who aren't waiting for the gm screen and the uh, character pads every that that kind of hopefully will be with us in the next couple of weeks and then once that's all done then the warehouse is cleared of all of that i can then bring in the shop stock the only problem is if i bring in stock now it confuses things and it gets mixed up with all the rest so it's basically that's why and by the time the weasel rat t-shirt is on sale it will um yeah it'll it'll be um it'll be the most popular thing because i'll get oliver onto this show and i'll get him to say how much he hates it and then we'll start a campaign <laughs> i was actually wearing the weasel rat t-shirt in and around birmingham over the weekend did you find many people walking up to you and just saying how handsome you looked no they crossed the road okay uh, can we cut that bit out and edit Grant? It, it, it's not yeah, like wild wolf barking at the moon the three wolves barking at the moon is a classic t-shirt <laughs> uh, the weasel rat is similar to it but sadly not quite as iconic yet well on that sad t-shirt related news that is it for another episode of lave radio if you'd like to get in touch with the show then you can email info at laveradio.com facebook.com slash lave radio at lave radio on twitter and you can join the discord chat channel by going to discord.io slash lave radio you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders like to come out and chat at teamspeak.laveradio.com and Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at uh, half past eight um, British summertime at the moment and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to uh, a, a quick hello, goodbye for Commander thing. Uh, thank you to Kirkle, thank you to Grant, thank you to Ben, thank you to Shan, and thank you, of course, to John for joining us tonight. Um, and thanks to all those commanders that joined us outside Lay Station and uh, helping Ben with the pirates. So, until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. I'm going to see the galaxy.
of July 3304. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Aegis Fury as Ramtar blunders again. Desiat decimated. Tharg worshippers attacked as traitors. Cult of the Spidery Mind. Aegis Fury as Ramtar blunders again. Senior technologists at Aegis Research are said to be furious after a module designed by Ramtar failed for a second time shortly after its relaunch. The frameshift drive booster, which uses technology borrowed from the Guardians, is intended to give anti-Thargoid warriors the edge when it comes to rapid deployment throughout the galaxy. It was first introduced in early April, but it was withdrawn almost immediately after it proved impossible to use due to its extreme fuel consumption requirements. Reintroduced last week, the module is currently incompatible with neutron cone boosts and frameshift drive synthesis. Testers working on the Guardian technology are said to have conducted their tests scrupulously. But in the spirit of mad scientists everywhere, Ramtar is believed to have made a last-minute untested improvement to the booster. On the plus side, Aegis is now offering a range of larger anti-Xeno weaponry, and technology brokers have been forced to significantly reduce their previously exorbitant requirement for large amounts of Guardian technology to unlock these modules. For reasons that are not entirely clear, Ramtar has also temporarily withdrawn his mission to investigate ancient Guardian sites. In related news, there have been reports of surface bases, many of which seem to have been attacked by Thargoids, also appearing and disappearing mysteriously. These Brigadoon settlements are believed to be only visible after England has won a Sol System World Cup of Footy Soccer match. And so it's believed likely that they'll soon blink out of existence once again, never to return. Desiat decimated. A number of bulk carriers and other large ships are reported to have been disabled after the Thargoids deployed three new Thargoid Scout variants. The Blue Regenerator, the Berserker and the Inciter. 
the crippled carriers have on board large numbers of crew members needing rescuing, which the Thargoids have no interest in whatever. Honestly. It's believed that Garay Terminal in Desiat may be the target of the main force of Thargoid scouts, and Aegis has made an appeal for immediate assistance in deflecting the alien menace. Felicity Farseer reports that Farsight Base is as yet unaffected, but she advises commanders to take care when travelling through the system. Tharg worshippers attacked as traitors. Security forces have been largely helpless in the face of an upswelling of public opinion against the apocalyptic cult of the Far God. This creepy religion believes that the Thargoids are demon messengers sent from an angry devil known as the Far God to herald his coming, and that when the Far God manifests himself, he will smite and destroy all independent and free-thinking people, leaving only his Far God worshippers to live under his evil, divine jackboot. These nonsensical but disturbing claims have understandably upset citizens, many of whom have expressed their displeasure in largely peaceful demonstrations. Religions which preach the coming of a saviour are generally frowned upon, and it's understandable when righteous anger spills over into minor acts of violence in the course of a heated argument with the religious nutters. Campaigner Juanita Bishop speaks for many when she suggests that if they love the Thargoids so much, the Thargodians should be loaded into spaceships and sent off to join their alien friends. Cult of the Spidery Mind In further disturbing religious news, worshippers of Thargaform Arachnids have this week spawned a new cult variant. The RPG cult has been active for well over a year now, studying a long biblical text of exposition known as The Core Book, together with four lengthy supplements for the divine truth known as Canon. This largely harmless group of divine theorists has now been joined by a second, more active and more dangerous group who holds sacred a set of 245 tablets bearing graven images. Their cult-like activities are rumoured to include the rolling of knuckle bones and a sort of voodoo that causes spaceships to explode. Religious beliefs of this sort cannot be helpful to humanity in its time of crisis. We can only pray to Randomius Factoria that sense will prevail. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. 